Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on Faith FM, which means we're about to get into our Bible study today, Isaiah chapter 11. Start turning there because that's where we're going to go. And we're going to start. This is a great, this is a fantastic prophecy. It's a little bit obscure. Mm-hmm. It's not the passage of the Bible that, you know, is kind of read every day. But it's really, really cool. This is actually such a great chapter. I love Isaiah. I just thought it's a book. Oh, yeah. Amazing. The whole thing is just incredible. Just- All right. So uh, why don't you read for us verse one? Yes. So out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing, bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay. So just looking at this verse right here. Your translation is a little different from mine. Classic. <laughs> there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Yours doesn't even mention Jesse. It doesn't even Jesse. mention you know, It's just David. It's like, how do you get from Jesse to David? I mean, well, obviously I mean, there's the, yeah. son, the son thereof. But, the connection's there. Um, if it says Jesse in the original, why don't you just put Jesse? I mean, we all know who Jesse is, so just look. I don't know, Lyle. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm upset with the NLT translators this morning. Get it together, guys. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. Okay, who's this this prophecy talking about? Some famous person coming from the descendants of Jesse. Well, I know the answer. It's Jesus. That's right. But I think you do have to, unless you... Know more of the story of the Bible. You've got to get more of the context here, don't you? You do, yeah. Yes. And we're going to get more context as we work our way down through. There's some really amazing context right here. So uh, the first thing that I find interesting here is that most of the time in the Bible, Jesus is called, you know, the son of David. Mm, Yeah. You know, because he's a descendant of David. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, that's significant because in the Bible, you know, some people read, you know, like the book of Daniel, and they read about uh, uh, Belshazzar being the son of Nebuchadnezzar. Like, Belshazzar was not the son of Nebuchadnezzar. He was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Hmm. You've got to understand how the Bible people wrote things. Which can be hard to yes, figure out sometimes. Right. <laughs> Jesus was the great, 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 goodness knows how many greats, mm. grandson yeah. of Jesse yeah. or David. Mm. But he's called the son of David. They all called themselves the sons of Abraham. Now, is this because – wait, what am I saying? I was just thinking like with the son of David, like is that just because that's the cultural thing of this is how we refer to our genealogy or is it also in regard to the son of David, like David is known as man after God's heart, Jesus is coming as like pretty much God's heart. Do you know there's, I mean? three things, there's three things yeah. involved here. First of all, there is a cultural thing where if you were a descendant of David, you could lay claim to that. Oh, so really anyone could have been. Yeah, like, and so it would have been yeah. a lot of people who would have been the son of David. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is definitely that second aspect that comes through in that uh, Jesus was called the son of David because of the prophecies here yeah. about the Messiah and people who recognized him as the Messiah and the Messiah coming out of David called him, gave him that title as son of David because that was a title that belonged to the Messiah. Mm. Now, from a spiritual perspective, you're absolutely right. A man after God's own heart. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so verse 2 is really interesting because verse 2 answers a major question in the book of Revelation. Uh, Which question? Okay. I must know. Revelation (laughs) chapter 1. Let's go to Revelation chapter 1. Let's look at it over here in Revelation chapter 1. 
And let's look in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, I will get you to read uh, verse 4. Revelation 1 and verse 4. Okay, so this letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne. Okay. Is that, notice is that it, what yeah. I want to say? Uh-huh. Okay. Seven, notice it says speaks about the sevenfold spirit before his throne. Yes. What does that actually mean when it says the sevenfold spirit? I have my guesses. <laughs> Go ahead. I just just think it refers to the Holy Spirit. It that well it's the that's yeah. singular. Yeah. The sevenfold spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit with seven different aspects to it. Now, how do you know that? I'm not saying you're wrong, but well, how- that's what it just says. It says the sevenfold spirit. The is singular. Yeah. Sevenfold is a way of saying seven different aspects. But seven isn't different- seven also just the son of completeness? In the it is absolutely. So there's another evidence Uh-oh. that this is the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. because when you have seven is the number of completeness. So when you've got seven different aspects together, mm. you have the completeness of the Holy Spirit. Mm-mm. Yep. Yeah. I, in my Bible, I've I think I've marked it talking about the Holy Spirit, but I'm just like, but how do we know this? <laughs> like okay. I, I think this, but it could be just a theory. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, and part of the answer to that is found in Isaiah chapter eleven, right, right, right. verse two. So let's go to Isaiah yeah. chapter eleven, verse two. Let me see if you can so count all is, seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit. Right. So we're saying uh, we have wisdom and mm-hmm. understanding, counsel and might, mm-hmm. knowledge, mm-hmm. fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Was the seventh? You've missed it. I have the spirit of the Lord rest upon him. You've missed the seven right there. It's staring you in the face. Everybody misses this one. It's actually the most obvious one. It's the most it's important the, it's the one as well. Spirit of the Lord. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes, yeah. because it's showing that the Holy Spirit is God. Yeah. So the spirit of the Lord, and uh, and then you've got the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of. Uh, counsel and might and knowledge and fear of the Lord. Uh-huh. Seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit right there. So the Bible talks about the sevenfold spirit, mm. the singular sevenfold spirit, the spirit that has seven different aspects to it. That's the Holy Spirit. Mm. And here the Bible gives you seven different aspects of the Holy Spirit and shows the Holy Spirit as being the third divine person of the Godhead, the Spirit of the Lord. Um, it gives you that divinity right there and then adds in all the other different aspects. So let's look at those different aspects. Mm-hmm. What do they relate to? Let's 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 work our way through them. Um, obviously, the first one, the Spirit of the Lord, yes, relates to the Holy Spirit's divinity. Then, what is the next one? The Spirit of what? Wisdom. And then, what comes after that? Understanding. Okay, when it, when we talk about wisdom and understand, okay, well, let, well let's let's go to the third one. Counsel and might. Yes. Um, what is counsel is it? And then we have another one called knowledge. Well, let me highlight a few. Okay. All right. Let me highlight these ones. Wisdom, mm-hmm. understanding, mm-hmm. counsel, knowledge. Yeah. They are very similar in what they're about. In what realm do they exist? You should know the answer to this one. In what kind of space do you find wisdom and knowledge and understanding and counsel? What do you mean? Like, like in the Word of God? Like what? Yeah. Well, even, sure in, even now, I'm, I'm struggling with my question here, <laughs> and I'm hinting at it because I'm saying that you should know something yeah, yeah, about right. these particular words right here, because it has something. Education. To do. Exactly. Yeah. They all exist in the realm of education, yeah. don't they? So um, here you've got 
wisdom, understanding, counsel, and knowledge. That's what you try and impart to your students yeah. when you are educating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and of course that is combined equally with the fear of the Lord. Yes. And so this is interesting when it comes to education because the Holy Spirit is the great educator. Mm. Yeah. That's what the Bible teaches. And when you're educating in the classroom, you know, if the Holy Spirit is educating with you, then that is going to be so powerful in your classroom. Mm. And uh, the and central to this, of course, is the Holy Spirit is here to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge, to give us understanding, to give us counsel. And so your job as a school teacher is to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do those things in your classroom. But equally with that is the fear of the Lord. Mm. Mm-hmm. So equally with your three R's, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, yeah. <laughs> is the fear of the Lord. Yeah, no, 100%. And this is where it all comes together. Mm-hmm. And when it goes to the fear of the Lord, then it immediately takes, back, takes you back to the might, the power of God. Mm. So, yeah, sure, you learn your three R's, but equally important as your reading, writing, and, and, and arithmetic is fearing God, knowing God, and then you go to might, that is experiencing God, mm. experiencing the power of God. And then you go back to the Spirit of the Lord. So we're learning, uh, we're, we're learning to fear God, we're learning about the power of God, and we're learning that He is God, who God is. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when you put this whole thing together here, you've got the Holy Spirit as our great educator. Mm-hmm. And saying that Jesus had... Like this was his life was completely guided by this. Yes, like completely, absolutely, completely. All these things. That's right. Yeah. So this is this is what the Bible is going to uh, go on and draw out in the verses that come up after this. Is that Jesus? You know, we are we are drawn by the Holy Spirit mm. until we surrender our life to God, and then we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Yeah. The difference with Jesus, because Jesus became a human being just like you and I. Yeah. The difference is that from the very beginning he was. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what it's drawing out. This is why Jesus was the great educator, was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. Yeah. There was never a point in time when he received the um you know, the gift of the Holy Spirit because he always had it. Yeah. From the start. Yes. Absolutely. That's right. He was always converted. Always mm-hmm. a converted human being. Okay, so hold your finger there, go over to the Gospel of John. Let's read a couple of verses on this. Over in the Gospel of John. What chapter am I going to? Uh, let's try verse 14, chapter 14. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we've got over there. I was just thinking on that passage in Isaiah as we we're turning here. Like our experience with God cannot be purely head knowledge, as you mentioned, right? That's right. But at the same time, the things we have in our head actually impact so much of what we experience and what we do and what we do. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yes. it's actually hugely significant. Yes. I um, on my way here this morning, I was just like praying and talking to God, and I was just like, Jesus, I just like, I just want to love God and love people. And I was like, hold on, but no God, like to know God is to love God, you know? Because I was like, you know, is it what like where is that line between to know what to do? And I was like, you know, you need both. Like, ideas are so important to education. Like, That's right. Like the Holy Spirit is a great educator, as you said. Anyway, this is a little. And if you got the wrong idea of God, you're never going to love God. Exactly. Like because we see that all the time, right? That people. Satan is trying so hard, to destroy the the character of God. Hundred percent. Yeah. 
All right, let's go to let's go to John chapter fourteen, uh, da, 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 verse twenty-six. Says, but when my Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Okay, so what does the Holy Spirit do in this verse? He's a teacher. He's a teacher and a representative and a advocate and a. Um, Starts with the letter R Reminder? A reminder (laughs) That's right Because we're human beings And we forget things Yes we do need reminders It's true And this is what you do in the classroom And here's you will have uh, students You will teach them lots of things And then you will remind them what they learnt Get it again (laughs) Okay uh, Let's go to chapter 16 verse 13 Says Oh where have we gone? says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Okay. So what is the Holy Spirit doing here? We're going to teaching you. Absolutely. Yeah. How much will he teach us? Well, everything. All truth. Everything. All it's things. All truth. Everything you need Absolutely. to know. And you Do know you ever stop learning all truth? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's the nature of truth, isn't it? Yeah. Which you know, is amazing, actually. Wouldn't life be boring if by, say, the age of 10, mm. we knew everything there was to know? Some teenagers think they do. Yes, <laughs> well, by the age of you know 14, you know everything there is to know. I get that. I remember that. I used to know so much back then. Yeah. It's amazing how much I've forgotten since <laughs> I was 14. But um, now, yeah, there's so much I just don't know anymore. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> I think we were just having a slight <laughs> off-air conversation. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Minnie has a little bit of a problem at the moment. I have a dirty big rat that lives in my house and I don't want to kill it. And I just asked Lyle, I was like, hey, what can I do? And he's like, you're asking me. <laughs> like, yeah, look. About getting rid of yeah. vermin without killing it? Yeah. Just not in my nature. Well, because it used to live at the back of the yard and I was like, you're fine. You can stay there. You're like, the bush is kind of there. You go there. And then yesterday I was outside like right next to my wall and it just like ran up. I was like, Mm-mm, nah, nah, get out of here. Okay. How big is your yard? It's not that big. It's like a house block, right? Yeah. It's like small. Maybe 400 square metres? I don't know. Maybe oh, even smaller than that. Yeah, it's like a really small yard. Yeah, it's it's pretty small. Like okay, in, you do know the range of a rat, right? Yeah, but I've never. If it's living seen in the back of the yard, way. it means it's also living in your house. Yeah, but the, there's scraps up the back because our our neighbours have a compost thing, like, and so it just goes and chills it there. So I was like, "You're fine. You can stay up there. I don't really want you there, but you can stay." Every now and then, I'll even like. Allow it to eat the leftover bits of stuff that I'm trying. But like, I chuck it. Like, I chuck it way far. And I was like, just stay. And it's not remaining where it should remain. No. And this is this is also because it's not <laughs> it's an animal. <laughs> a rat. What? It's, it's not a rat. What do you mean? Well, if you um, capture that one and, you know, paint some yellow oh, paint yes, on it, you'll find that more. there's many Look, also family true. friends. I know. And they all need to go because they will give you disease. <laughs> I know. And they are a feral invasive species that is wreaking havoc on our environment, so they need to go away. We're going to read some passages yes, about let's a time do that. when this will never be necessary again. How about that? All right, let's go to where are we going to? Uh, back to Isaiah. We're going to read. A, we're going to read about a time many that you're really going to love. Brilliant. I'm going to love it as well, but you're going to particularly love it. Hey, that's what I want to hear. Um, and, and it's going to relate to your rat story. Oh, okay. Brilliant, brilliant. Yes. Oh, okay. I feel like I know what you're going to say, what we're going to read. But 
All right. Uh, why don't you just pick up? Uh, let me just see here. Isaiah, where did my book of Isaiah go? It's still in the middle, isn't it's it? It's still there. Still in the middle. Yeah. Uh, let's pick up. We read verse two. Uh, there's some other great verses here. Let's read verse six through nine. Mm, I thought we might read that. Okay, so Isaiah 11 verse six says, "In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat." The calf and the yearling will be safe with a lion, and little children will lead them. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill a sea, so the earth will be filled with the people who know God. Okay, let's stop there for so a moment. Good. It's just amazing. Let's talk about the new earth right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, rats creep us out yes. because they scurry unexpectedly mm. and we know that they are ridden with disease and filth. Yes, yes. That's why I'm like, I don't want diseases. <laughs> However, if you actually have a pet rat mm-hmm. that loves you and adores you and sees you as its master... Mm-hmm. And gets food from you and all that kind of thing. They're actually really cute. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, yeah. they have cute little faces and cute little ears yeah. <laughs> and their cute little nose that wiggles backwards and forwards. Yeah, uh, you've probably seen you know Ratatouille back in the day, and um, mm-hmm. they're kind of cute. They are, and they're kind of furry and fuzzy and soft to touch, all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it's true. But even we just though, know what even they are though, as they are. <laughs> rat comes near my house. Bye-bye rat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what you've got here is a passage where the Bible says, okay, what we understand right now, which is a world of sin and pain and suffering and a world where death is a necessity, mm, yeah, will not last forever. Yes. Where we have feral invasive species that destroy our environment, this will not last forever. Where we have disease and filth being spread by animals, this will not last forever. This is all coming to an end. Mm. Where you have, you know, animals, one animal that is killing another animal. You know, rats, they kill all kinds of native creatures that are, you know, in your backyard or wherever they might be. Mm. And then they in turn get eaten by, you know, snakes, rats, uh, you know, Pythons love to love, eat rats. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, you've got this whole cycle that takes place of death mm. and pain and destruction and suffering and God saying, one day it's coming to an end. Yeah. Now, while I don't like rats, while I have an aversion to rats, like, you know, when a rat runs past, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you get that kind of thing. Yeah. I have a bigger visceral reaction to snakes. Hey, yeah, right. Now, not everybody does. I've got, I've got uh, quite a number of friends who are just like mad snake <laughs> enthusiasts. Yeah. And, you know, it fascinates me. But I'm not a snake enthusiast. Mm. And when I am walking through the bush or my backyard or wherever and there's a black slithery thing, it's, I always get that, you know, visceral reaction mm. of like, yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> it's just a black nope on the ground. Yeah. Um, and so, but the Bible says here, that the time's coming when, you know, a child shall put its hand in a snake pit yeah, and amazing. pick them up and play with them mm. and they'll just be happy and unique and beautiful and yeah, you know, because snakes are incredibly beautiful. They have you a, look at the I think we know what the, they are, right? The patterns and the colours and the variety and their unique shape, their unique way that they move. You know, they're incredible creatures. Mm. There's just something in 
the majority of human beings that recoils from a snake. Yeah. There's probably about 10% of human beings, I think, that it's like, yeah, we love snakes. Mm. The rest of them are like, no. Nah. Oh. You know what I love about this? Like my ver- this version says, so the people, uh, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In, yep. I was Go. just going to say in my other version, um, like in, I have a New King James at home. And it says um, the earth shall be filled just with the knowledge of the Lord. That's right. And I was like, I love that that's the connection. Wholeness, perfect, no suffering, complete, pure, true knowledge of God. Those two things they go together. They always go together. They go together. And it's the Holy Spirit yes. with wisdom and knowledge and might and power and counsel and that pulls, that, yes. that brings us that knowledge that will one day rid our universe of sin, pain, suffering so and good. death. Ah, it's the best ever. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right. It is now time for... Question of the Day. Alrighty, so question of the day today is, can you please explain what it means by the departing soul at death? In Genesis 35 verse 18. Okay, so the Bible says in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 18, and it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. So this is uh, Rachel when she is dying, dying in childbirth. Um, and the Bible says that as her soul was in the process of departing, as she was dying with her dying breath, she named her son Benoni and his father changed it to Benjamin. Mm. Okay, so what does it mean that her soul was departing? Was her, Does that mean that her soul was floating off to heaven or her soul was continuing to live uh, or her soul was immortal or maybe her soul was floating off to hell or limbo or purgatory or somewhere else? What does that actually mean? Okay, so the answer is very quite is really quite simple to this verse. The word soul here is translated from the Hebrew word nephesh. Okay. And the word nephesh simply means life. In fact, there are 118 places, other places in the Old Testament where I could show you where the word nephesh is used to simply mean life. Let me give you an example. Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 30, the Bible says, And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is nephesh, mm. wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Mm-hmm. All right? So here the word uh, very, very clearly simply means life. And so if we take the word soul and replace it with the word life, as some translations do, and as that word is used in you know most of the Bible, it's simply going to read like this. It came to pass as her life was departing, mm. for she died. She named her son Benoni. That makes perfect sense. Yes. Okay, here's what's very significant, and it's more significant than anything else in this verse in particular, is that out of all of the references in the Bible to the word nephesh, Every place where that word is used, there is not a single solitary instance where the Bible even hints that nephesh is immortal, much less states it. Hmm. There is no statement anywhere amongst all of those uh, passages that states that nephesh is, you know, some part, some immortal part of a man or, you know, something that, uh, some part of a man that just simply doesn't die. In fact, the Bible says the complete opposite. The Bible says the soul that sins, it shall die. Mm. And you can't get it more plain than that. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 18, mm. uh, verse, I think, 4 and 20 uh, off the top of my head. 
would be those verses where you'd find where the Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall die. So there is the answer. The word nephesh simply means life. As her life was departing, she died, uh, and the problem is simply soul. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.